Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. When was the last time you were amazed? When was the last time that you were stopped dead in your tracks surprised? When was the last time you experienced wonder? Was it when your kid was born? Or maybe you went on vacation somewhere and you saw this magical sunset. Maybe it was longer ago when you were a child and you looked up at the sky and someone explained to you that some of those bright spots you saw were actually other planets. And you started to understand the magnitude and the mystery that was the universe that you lived in. When was the last time you experienced wonder? Perhaps no other season is set up for wonder as much as Christmas. The lights, the anticipation, the goodwill, the gift giving, it's all set up for us to experience wonder. Some of my favorite memories come from Christmas specifically because of this reason of when I experienced wonder. When I was seven, I remember waking up on Christmas morning and opening up this pile of gifts. And after all the gifts had been opened, after our living room was a sea of wrapping paper, my mom, who is the queen of Christmas, pointed up to a note, a note that was on the mantle. And next to it, I started to see was the strap, the strap of bells. I got really excited and I ran over and grabbed the note and started reading it to my brother and sister. It said, I pulled these off my sleigh in hopes that every time you look at them, you may believe. Love, Santa. All three of us started shrieking. We were so excited. These bells, these bells represented everything we believed in. We were so excited, and as Christmas faded and we started to pack away the decorations, the next year when we opened that box and found the bells again, that same sense of wonder filled us. You see, as kids, we looked at those sleigh bells, and we didn't just see bells. We saw hope that the impossible was actually possible. We saw joy. We got to delight in the fact that we weren't a part of it. And in some crazy way, we also experienced humility that idea that we were just a small part of a larger story that we couldn't understand. Around 12, things started to change for me, as they do for so many people. Christmas started to change for me. I'd seen all the lights, I'd done all the things, the activities, I'd been to the candlelight services, I'd wrapped and unwrapped every gift I could possibly imagine. And now when we took those sleigh bells out of the box every Christmas, all I saw were bells. But what had changed? The bells hadn't changed, they were the same. As far as I knew, I was still the same person. So what was different? What altered in those last few years of my childhood? What had changed in me is the thing that changes in all of us. My perspective had changed. As a child, we see the world through the perspective of wonder. It's a lens that we can view everything that happens to us. Wonder is our way of living as children. But as we get older, as we learn more about the world, 
our perspective starts to change. You can see this very clearly. You see, my son, when he looks at an escalator, he sees a magical machine that moves you, and you don't even have to move your feet. And I see something like a moving staircase that's powered by electricity and a pulley system. My middle daughter, she looks at a pile of mud and sees an adventure waiting to happen, and all I see is a mess and an inconvenience. My newborn stares at her hands for what seems like hours because they are these masterpieces that she has never experienced before. And all I see is hands. You see, the difference between extraordinary and ordinary is just perspective. And for some reason, as we grow up, our perspective becomes one where we can no longer see the wonder in the world. This happens to us for a couple reasons. I think one of them is that some of you, bad things have just happened over and over and over again in your life. And as those bad things happen, as you experience them as a child, things start to shift for you. You can no longer look at those sleigh bells and see hope and goodness and joy because those things don't feel real to you anymore. Think about Scrooge. Actually, in the Dickens novel, Scrooge is described as a child as imaginative and wild with wonder. He imagines these whole worlds, makes up and makes believe and pretends. But over time, his perspective starts to change as bad things keep happening to him. Loss and poverty and sadness. Over and over again, this happens in his life to the point that he loses all sense of wonder. He loses all perspective of wonder until he can only see the world as something that has to give him something. His perspective turns to one of greed. But for some of us, it's a different change. As we go to school, as we learn about physics and history and all these exciting things, we barricade ourselves behind the certainty of knowledge. You see, we learn more, and as we learn more, we feel that rush of certainty, that rush, that security. Knowledge brings that for us, that sense that we are in control. And so we build our walls of rationality. We build our explanations around us. And no longer can we see outside the walls to experience the wondrous world. A miracle on 34th Street, there is perhaps no better scene that describes this particular way of life than when Susan, the little girl, sees Kris Kringle take up this Dutch refugee girl and put her on his lap. And Kris Kringle starts speaking Dutch. And Susan is amazed, and she runs home and tells her mom. She says, Mom, he might be the real Santa. He spoke Dutch. And Doris, her mother, says, Susan, I speak French. That does not make me Joan of Arc. You see, we've learned, like Doris, to explain away the world with our certainty and with our knowledge. But sadly, that leaves very little room for wonder. And losing wonder, it has immense risk. It has immense danger. Because wonder in and of itself is not the goal. Wonder is like the wrapping paper around a gift. You have to open it and encounter it and rip it open to get down to the good stuff on the inside. 
You see, wonder, wonder is the gateway to all that makes life worthwhile. Wonder fuels hope to believe that something impossible outside of our understanding could actually be true. And wonder fuels joy, that we get to participate and be a part of something so warm and so beautiful and so true. And wonder brings humility, that we are but a small part of a greater story that we cannot understand. You see, without wonder, our life becomes a little dimmer, becomes a little less full. Without wonder, we miss out on the things that make life worth living. So what if we could sustain this sense of wonder? What if we could keep those lenses of childhood on? What if we could keep that perspective of wonder? And what would it bring us? Well, today we're going to look at the final Christmas story that we're looking at in this series. And it's one that you've heard before. It's one out of Luke 2. And it starts with the shepherds out in the field. It starts with a group of shepherds who are tending their sheep doing their very ordinary, very boring job of sitting in a field and taking care of sheep. It says, Nearby shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. And the Lord's angel stood before them, and the Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, Do not be afraid. Look, I bring you good news, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today. In David City, he is Christ the Lord. And this is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby, wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in heaven, and on peace on earth among those whom he favors. You see, the shepherds had a choice that night. They had a choice. They could lean in to the perspective of wonder. They could relish in the miracle that was happening to them. Or they could deny it. They could run away. They could try to find plausible explanations, like maybe this was just this freak vision, or, or maybe it was this weird food and wine interaction. I don't know, but that definitely wasn't true. I mean, after all, isn't that what we would do? Truly, if you were at work in your office doing the same old, same old thing that you've done before, and at night, this host of bright lights came into your office. Maybe there were faces, maybe there weren't. We don't know what angels look like, but it was just this bright light, and you kind of heard this voice, but it wasn't really a human voice coming out of it, and it told you this crazy thing. Would you believe it? Would you trust it? I don't think so. I think most of us would run to the nearest hospital and get a brain scan. You see, our perspective is so different from the shepherds that maybe if the miracle happened to us, we wouldn't be able to believe. But of course, that's not what the shepherds do. 
The shepherds hear this message, and yes, they are scared, but the first thing that they do when the angels return to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. So open were they to the possibility of this being true. So open were they to the idea of wonder, to the idea that this, in fact, might be a reality that they didn't understand, that they get up and they put on their sandals and they run into town, run to see if the message is true. And when they do, they are rewarded. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And they realize that what they thought was impossible suddenly was possible. And here's where I think it gets interesting for us. The next thing that the shepherds do when they saw Mary and Joseph and Jesus lying in a manger, they reported what they had been told about this child. And everyone who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. What's fascinating about this story for me is that the people who received this good news, Scripture tells us that they too experienced wonder, that they too were amazed. You see, the shepherds were not just people who experienced wonder, but they themselves became the conduits of wonder for others. They became the first bearers of good news, and in sharing it, those people themselves experienced a part of what the shepherds had experienced as well. In this series, we've defined wonder as a signpost that points to God. And the shepherds, they got to be those signposts that pointed back to the source of wonder, to the source of love and joy and peace and all the things we long for. And when we take on the perspective of wonder, when we see the world in that way, then we too get to be the signpost that point back to God, that point back to wonder. You see, we have a choice. We can be the who's of Whoville or the Grinch. We can be Mr. Potter or George Bailey. We can be Frank Shirley or Clark Griswold. We can be Tim Allen in the Santa Claus or his son, Charlie. We can choose to believe or to deny. And this Christmas, as we relearn and rediscover the mystery, the miracle, that is the Christmas story, we have the chance to become more than just an experiencer of wonder, but to also be that signpost that points back to the source of all wonder, Jesus Christ, our Lord. To close out our time together today, I'm going to read you a story because here's what happens during Christmas. We ourselves forget the wonder of the Christmas story. 
We ourselves are so detached and so familiar with the Christmas story that we can't even experience wonder within it. But to be the signpost of God, we have to be able to experience the wonder ourselves. So I'm going to close out our time to go together with this story and bear with me. It's a little bit longer than I would normally ever do here. So we're going to read it together. Once upon a time, God was all that there was. We don't know all that much about this time, but we do know that at some point, God decided to make a world. And he made lots of beautiful things. And when he was done, all he looked around and he thought, there's something missing. Let me make a being, he said, a being that can take care of this place. And he got to work on what would be his masterpiece. He fashioned one out of flesh and blood and then decided, no, there need to be two. And he even put a little self of himself in them, made their souls a carbon copy of his DNA. So they, like true sons and daughters, could grow and be like him one day. It was his signature work, his masterpiece. And after it was done, he sat back and was pleased. He knew that they were fragile. He had made them this way because he wanted them to be free, to be able to make choices, to not be coerced into everything they did. God wanted them to love him freely just as he loved him, and he did love him. And that's why it broke his heart when they did the one thing he told them not to. He went and tried to call their names in the garden, but they wouldn't come to him, and they hid. Nothing was the same after that. They started to learn to how to live and work on their own, and soon enough, they convinced themselves they could do it on their own. God could not give up on them, but they never really returned his love. Sometimes they came back to him, telling him that they would do better, but in the end, they always left. But God kept trying. He rescued them time and time again. He sent famines and floods and even his very own messengers, but he kept running up against flesh and blood. They were made of it, and he was not. And God knew something had to change. So one day, God marched up to his cabinet of archangels and said, Look, I've been thinking. I need to go down there. I need to go down to earth. And the angels all looked around at each other. They were doubtful. Finally, one of them comes forward and says, Okay, but with special powers, right? You can't go down there as one of them. That's too much risk. You're putting yourself at the mercy of your creatures, and you've seen what they do to each other, right? It's too risky. But God says, no, it has to be like this. I'm going to go as a baby, a human baby. Babies are special, and babies depend on their caretakers so completely that they can't be self-made. This would teach them about love, God said. You can imagine that the angels laughed. Maybe they were scared for God. But they saw that God was convinced, and it had to be like this. This would be his final way to prove his love to them, to show that he would do anything, anything, to be close to them. And God walked out of the room, and as he did, he looked over his shoulder and said, Go tell them, will you? And they elected their most senior member, Gabriel, to go tell a young girl in Nazareth that she was going to birth a baby boy who would be God. Gabriel thought it was pretty random to choose this girl. She wasn't even married yet. But God said they must know that this is a miracle. But why Nazareth, Gabriel asked. Ah, says God. Because they must know that all those temples and the palaces they build themselves those don't matter. That girl in that tiny village of Nazareth is of just as much value as the emperor who sits in Rome. 
And then Gabriel went on lots of different missions. He went to Joseph and Elizabeth and Zechariah, and finally the day came for the big plan to happen. Go tell more people, God said. Gabriel started to head out the door by himself, but God said, no, you need more angels. Get the rest, will you? And Gabriel gathered the rest of the angels and came back to God. Would you like us to go to Jerusalem and tell the people there? Oh, no, said God. Bethlehem will do. As he looked at a group of shepherds gathered up near a fire at night, dirty and tired, frustrated by the sheep who would not listen to them. And as they started to complain about one more day of work, all of a sudden the sky seemed to fall. But it wasn't falling. It was just being replaced by light in the middle of the night. And after they got their senses back, the shepherds looked up and saw that that light had faces and it was singing. They, whatever these things were, looked like them, but more beautiful and somehow more holy. And the shepherds started to panic and one of them started running over the hill and the others cowered on the ground. Surely they thought this was it. But then one of those beings started talking in the most beautiful voice the shepherds had ever heard. And the voice, it made them look up. And suddenly they felt calmer, but they didn't know why. The sight was still terrifying, but the voice said, Do not be afraid. I am bringing you good, no good news of great joy for all the people. And the shepherds heard this, and it sounded crazy. But as they looked at each other, they knew deep down that this was true. So they picked up their staffs and put on their sandals and left their sheep and ran to that little town on the hill. God smiled as they did. These shepherds were perfect they would spread the news that this incredible thing has happened. And as he watched over Mary, as she birthed a baby boy, his first attempt at making himself in flesh and blood, and he looked on himself in human form and the love in Mary's eyes, that love that he, had knew, he knew he had made these humans capable of at the very beginning, yes, he said, this plan will work. This Christmas, I hope you remember the wonder that is the Christmas story, that is your story. You yourself are loved by God, and because of that love, you have the ability to be a signpost for the God that loves and knows you. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this season. Thank you for the perspective of wonder. Thank you for allowing us to see the world as it is. Thank you for allowing us to understand that there is a mystery beyond us that we can never fully understand. This Christmas, let us be signposts that point back to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.